What's up, everybody? Welcome to Liquid Church Online. I'm Pastor Tim, and it's an honor to come into your home today. Hey, hopefully you're at home and healthy, maybe sheltering in place with your family. Maybe you're watching on Facebook Live. What's up? Your laptop or your phone. Anyway, you're here. I'm glad you're going to be encouraged today. I know this pandemic has us all a little on edge. I mean, here in the New Jersey, New York area, we're at the epicenter, and we're trying to flatten the curve so our hospitals aren't overrun. And social distancing is now being extended through the end of April, April 30th. And the apex of this virus may actually hit right around Easter weekend. So we're making the best of it. But I want to remind you, social distancing is necessary, but relational distancing is not. Let's seize this opportunity to check in on our neighbors, our loved ones. Remember, guys, we are people of faith. We're not afraid. We're full of hope. And we know God's going to get us through this. Well, today I want to talk to you about the steps that we're taking the plans that we're making to prepare as a church to serve people in need all around our region. Guys, there's going to be a lot of hurting people who need our help in the days ahead. And my message today is called, Hope is on the Way. Now, I realize we're not past the worst yet, but let me start by sharing just a few glimmers of hope that I saw this week. First off, Pastor Jim Gottschall is now recovered and doing well. So let's give God some praise in the chat. Let's throw up some hearts, some high fives. Jim is our campus pastor over Essex County, and he really went through the ringer with COVID the last two weeks. He said it was felt like he was slammed by a Mack truck. He had a fever, difficulty breathing, but the Lord Jesus healed him. He's on the road to full recovery. So thank you for your prayers for him, Sean, and the boys. Prayer is powerful, amen? In fact, on Wednesday night, we were praying on Facebook Live. We do that every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We had over 1,100 people praying and worshiping live in the chat. And we've been praying as a church for Carlos Lavora, who leads our security team in Morris County. He actually fell ill. He was in the ICU with COVID, and we've been praying nonstop. Well, check this out. Carlos improved enough that he didn't have to be intubated, which is a great mercy. And he actually said this in the live chat. He actually texted. He said, hey, I'm here in my hospital bed. So grateful I'm able to write this. God is great. Thank you with tears of joy. I love my liquid family. Thank you for your prayers. He's going to see us soon. So guys, prayer is very powerful. And if you have a request, would you let us know? Just click the prayer button. You could type it in the chat. We have people documenting all those requests and we are praying for you 24-7 for you and those you love. Second glimmer of hope, um, we've got dozens of church members who serve as doctors and nurses, healthcare workers on the front lines. And you guys know they're heroes. They're working long hours. They're, they're responding to waves and waves of infected patients. And it's high stress, high-risk work. Sometimes they don't even have time to eat, so this is kind of fun. One of our church campuses had pizzas delivered to the emergency staff at St. Clair's Hospital on Monday. They just brought a little pizza joy in there, and so uh, the staff there sent us photos. They wanted to thank you all. I mean, prayer is powerful, but so is kindness. Amen? In fact, can we just make some noise? Let's just hear it right now. Come on, make some noise for our nurses, our doctors, our medical professionals on the front line. Make noise where you are in the chat. Just raise it up. I want you to know, healthcare workers, we are praying for you, for God's protection, for his strength and his stamina to surround you. The Holy Spirit's got you guys. Now, meanwhile, our small groups are mobilizing into action. I have great news to report. 85% of our small groups have transitioned to meeting online. So they're on Zoom or Google Meet. And so that's so they can keep caring for one another. In fact, check this out. One of our men's group, this is Kyle and Rich, and they made meals um, for a family whose grandfather 
passed away, they actually delivered them to the widow's home. And so the grandmother, she said, I felt so loved by that. She actually sent pictures and said, just show people that God really does miracles. So I love that. Way to go, men, just caring for the vulnerable. And then this one just kind of blew my mind. One of our women's groups started making face masks by hand for the hospital workers. This mother-daughter duo, they actually love sewing, so they made an assembly line in their home. They made a prototype, you can see it was actually approved, and now they have hand-sewn over 1,600 masks, delivered them to eight different hospitals across New Jersey and New York, including Ridgewood, Hackensack, Mount Sinai. Is that not awesome? I love that creativity. And uh, I just found out, this is crazy, they're moving on to face shields next. You can take a look here on Facebook. Joanna wrote, she said, I'm figuring out a way to quickly make large quantities of disposable face shields. Our sewing squad has been working nonstop and thinking outside the box. I just love that. Give them a praise, man. I love when Christ followers swing into action in a crisis because we are all in this together, guys. Amen? So I want you to understand something, church. We did not pick this pandemic, but God chose you to live through this moment in history. He picked you to live in the epicenter of a global pandemic that will go down as the defining disaster of our generation. In fact, this week, the United Nations called this pandemic the most challenging crisis since World War II. In other words, the impact will be greater than 9-11. Our government is now projecting between 100,000 and 240,000 deaths in the United States alone. So this is a moment, guys. This is a moment for the capital C church to stand up and step up. I want you to remember this. The darker the world becomes, the brighter we need to shine the hope of Christ. Amen? Now to be clear, we want you to stay home, okay? Follow everything the CDC and the authorities are telling you to do. Social distancing is in place until April 30th. So all seven of our liquid campuses will remain closed for the rest of April. In fact, next week, we'll celebrate Easter online. We're going to stream Easter services around the clock on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. But this Wednesday night, we're hosting a Holy Communion service on Facebook Live at 7 o'clock. This week is Holy Week. A lot of times, churches will have a Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday service that really reflects on the passion of Jesus, the suffering of Christ leading up to his crucifixion. And our world is going through suffering right now. So this is going to be very poignant. We're going to do this online on Wednesday. And we're going to have live worship. Our pastors will lead us in special scripture readings and prayers. And then we're going to partake of communion together in our homes. So get your grape juice and your bread out. If you don't have that, just use whatever you have. Like if all you have is Gatorade and goldfish, just roll with it, guys. Be creative. I promise God will understand. But the best way you can love your neighbors right now is to stay home, okay? Shelter in place until we can all emerge safely in the weeks to come. And that's what I want to prepare you for today. I want to give you hope and update you really on four things. Um, precautions we're taking, plans that we're making, challenges we're facing, but then opportunities we're seizing because every crisis is an opportunity. And I want to let you know how you can help in the days ahead with disaster response. Because there's going to be a lot of hurting people in our region who need help. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible gives incredible guidance about emergency planning in a time of national crisis. In the book of Genesis, chapter 41, we read the first account of global disaster and emergency planning in human history. 
And the Bible's going to actually show us how to lead in a time of national crisis like this. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Genesis 41, or you can click the Bible tab in your browser and go there. Let me give you a little bit of background, okay? This is an amazing story. It's about Joseph and the famine in Egypt. Um, Joseph is one of the key characters in the Bible's first book of Genesis. Uh, You may know this. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. But Joseph actually rose to become the second most powerful leader in Egypt next to Pharaoh. But here in Genesis 41, Joseph is actually in prison as we open this up. It's through no fault of his own. Uh, Like our Savior Jesus, Joseph was falsely accused. He was imprisoned even though he was innocent. And in prison, God gave Joseph the supernatural gift, the ability to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh has this dream about a national disaster that sets into motion this chain of events that's going to take Joseph from the prison to the palace. And Joseph becomes God's man of power for this very hour. So let's read this together. Genesis 41, starting at verse 1, it says this. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. So you got the picture? You got a group of plus-size cows over here, fat and healthy, and then you got the skinny supermodel cows over here, you know, skinny and and twig, you know, thin here. And by the way, I'm preaching to an empty room. I'm just going to laugh at my own jokes. I hope you're laughing at home, all right? So you got the fat cows, the supermodel cows, they're standing next to each other on the riverbank. But here's what the Bible says. It says, the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. And at this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Now, my question is, have you ever had a, a weird dream? It's like so vivid, it's like real life, but it's, it's sort of strange. Like, does this like mean something? Or was that just the veggie burger I ate at, you know, from Trader Joe's? Like, I just... <laughs> In his dream, Pharaoh sees these seven sickly cows actually eat the seven healthy cows. So he goes back to bed and verse five says, but he fell asleep again and he had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again, and he realized it was a dream. So God repeats himself. He gives Pharaoh basically the same dream twice. These, you know, shriveled heads of grain swallow the healthy, fat heads of grain. And it says the next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Now you should know this. In ancient Egypt, it was tradition for Pharaoh to surround himself with wise men. That is, astronomers, counselors, magicians who advised him. And a lot of them were demonic. So nobody could actually interpret these dreams that God gave Pharaoh. But then the cupbearer kind of speaks up and he says, Hey, I I remember this guy from prison and his name is Joseph. And he's no ordinary Joe. He has a supernatural gift. We would tell Joseph our dreams. He'd interpret the meaning. Let me tell you something. They turned out exactly like he said every single time. So verse 14 says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now, I love Joseph's response here in verse 16. He says, nope, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I love this verse because notice it shows that Joseph was a humble leader. Joseph was only 30 years old at this point, but he did not take credit for the gift that God gave him. He said, I can't do this, but my God can. I want you to listen carefully. Come in here. Truly anointed, humble leaders always give God the glory. They don't spotlight their abilities, but they spotlight their Savior. So Pharaoh describes his dreams to Joseph, how these these, uh, uh, sickly cows ate the larger, healthy, fat cows, by the way. Fatness is a sign of health here. But the shriveled grain swallows the plump grain. And so Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams, they mean the same thing. God's telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. And here's the interpretation. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. Then seven thin scrawny cows that came up later, the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind, they represent seven years of famine. So Joseph says, God's warning you about a famine. Pharaoh, you're about to run out of food. This nation's going to have seven years of abundance. We're going to have bumper crops, prosperity. The stock market's going to soar. But then disaster is going to hit. There's going to be a worldwide famine. People won't have enough to eat. There'll be food insecurity. And listen to me, people are going to starve if you don't do something about it. Now, how bad is it going to get? Well, Joseph adds this. He says, the famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. Now, what's amazing here is that Joseph, think about this, he's just fresh out of prison and he's literally standing in front of Pharaoh <laughs> and he's the bearer of bad news. Let me, can I just tell you something? No president or prime minister likes to hear bad news. So Joseph is risking his life to speak the truth about what's going to happen. And there was a spirit of humility and integrity on Joseph and even Pharaoh knew it. I believe God appointed and he anointed Joseph with a spirit of wisdom because he actually goes a step further and then he counsels Pharaoh how to prepare for this emergency. He says, therefore, here's what you should do, Pharaoh. Find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. In other words, Pharaoh, you need somebody with a spirit of wisdom and discernment to lead this country through a crisis. And so Joseph tells him how to plan for this national emergency. Now watch this because his planning is incredible. It says, then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land. So according to Joseph, if you're taking notes, in a crisis, step one, build a team. In other words, Joseph, there's no single leader strong enough or smart enough to handle this by themselves. Great leaders always form teams of talented people and delegate in a crisis. Joseph says, then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Step number two, start saving. He says, Pharaoh, you need a national stockpile of resources when this crisis comes. How much did we save? He says, collect one-fifth of all the crops. Well, what's one-fifth? Joseph basically said, I want you to save 20% of our resources every year for seven years so that we'll have 140% in surplus because we don't know how long this thing's going to last. And again, I think Joseph was just anointed with this divine spirit of wisdom and discernment in a day of disaster. He says this, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's 
storehouses. Can everyone say that word, storehouse? Type it in the chat, storehouse. He says, store it away in the storehouse and guard it so that there will be food in the city. So the third step is, you got to secure a storehouse. Now, I don't know if Joseph had a PhD in project management, but guys, this is impressive because he basically says we need multiple distribution points in strategic cities so we can get people food and supplies in their time of need. Verse 36, he says, that way there'll be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Again, Joseph is just, he's 30 years old, guys. Joseph is a millennial, man. He's fresh out of prison. (laughs) And he says, here's how you handle a national crisis, Pharaoh. You find somebody who knows how to do emergency planning and disaster relief. And basically, I'm I'm imagining like everybody was like, "Um, anybody know a guy? (laughs) So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt, the whole country. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand. He placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing, hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. Wow. I mean, talk about a whirlwind. From the prison to the palace. That's how God elevated Joseph and used his life in a time of national emergency. And I'm just going to say this. I believe in this pandemic. I believe God is about to raise up a whole new generation of Josephs, of young men and women with a spirit of excellence and humility. Men and women, some of you who are anointed, even now with wisdom and creativity, to help deliver hope to hurting people around the region. In fact, I believe there's people under the sound of my voice right now, you're home, you're listening online or on your phone, and you're not sick. You're not out of work. Maybe you are well, you're healthy, you're blessed. Listen to me. God has given you strength and resources because he wants to use you in this crisis to bless others. God took Joseph from the prison to the palace, but Joseph didn't let that power go to his head. He leveraged it on behalf of others. Here's the punchline to the story. It says this, verse 47. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. And during those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and he stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. And finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. Did you catch that? Joseph kept careful records. In other words, he loved Excel spreadsheets. (laughs) He had a gift for databases. We don't know if he used, you know, Airtable or Slack to keep track of what was in his storehouses. But notice he used all these steps. And what was the result? Guys, God saved thousands of lives through Joseph's emergency planning. It says the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had predicted. And the famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians. So notice the first people to benefit were the Egyptians. And that's step number five. You've got to distribute your resources wisely. Because of Joseph's careful emergency planning, guys, the people had plenty while the rest of the world suffered because it was a global disaster. 
Did you catch that? Every country was impacted. So watch this. Joseph doesn't stop there. He looks out beyond his people. He says, hey, how can we help others in this crisis? Verse 57, and people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. In other words, hope rippled out of that storehouse around the region, around the globe. Because Joseph had a strategy. Joseph had a storehouse. In a time of global disaster, thousands of families were fed. Lives were saved. And God delivered hope to the doorstep of hurting people. Church, if I could just dial it down a moment, just tell you, I read this chapter this week, it gave me the chills. I shared this with our pastors devotionally. I shared it on a Zoom call with our whole staff. And I said, guys, this is our Joseph moment. Guys, I believe with all my heart that God has strategically positioned Liquid Church. Guys, we are at the epicenter of an epidemic for such a time as this. And I believe if we follow the divine principles of disaster planning laid out here in God's word, we won't just help our families get through this crisis. We can help our neighbors in need. We can help our cities. We can bring hope to our communities, to our county, to our entire region. Listen to me. If you're watching at home right now, I am standing at our broadcast campus here in Parsippany, New Jersey. Again, the room is empty. Again, I think my jokes are funny. Maybe you're laughing. But maybe you don't know this. Behind this LED screen behind me is actually an empty 40,000 square foot warehouse. When we moved in this building, for some reason, God decided to give our church some extra space. And our team has always been like, I wonder what that's for. You know, maybe we'll use it someday. Well, I have good news to report. We have been working and planning for the last two weeks with our strategic partners, Convoy of Hope. Now, they are an incredible disaster relief ministry that sends supplies all around the world wherever crisis hits. And Convoy of Hope knows all about you. You guys, I should just tell you, you have a little bit of a reputation. They're like, oh yeah, Liquid, you're the church who packs one million meals every Christmas to feed hungry people around the world. They're like, oh yeah, Liquid, you're the church that flies to Africa and Central America to bring clean water to the world's poorest people. So you have a reputation, church, of being the first to respond whenever there's a need. And so Convoy of Hope, they looked at our building, 165,000 square feet in northern New Jersey, the epicenter of the epicenter, and they saw our heart. And I have good news to report. This week, they are scheduled to deliver 20,000 pounds of relief supplies to our warehouse. We are going to turn our warehouse into a storehouse. They are sending pallets full of relief supplies. I'll show you a little bit here of what some of them look like. They're going to be given antibacterial wipes. They're going to be given packaged food, toilet paper, bottled water, all hygiene kits, diapers, you name it. All of it is being shipped to our storehouse here in Parsippany. I'll give you some examples here. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. And uh, you can take a look, guys. We're going to have diapers, baby supplies, toilet paper. You could auction this baby off right now. I should just, we should just do that on eBay, just auction it. We have canned goods, beef stew, because we know some families won't be able to go to the grocery store. Again, Clorox disinfecting wipes. These are just examples and samples of some of the many, many things. Fuel bars. Oh, I like this one. Look at this one. Swiss fudge striped snacks. All sorts of prepackaged, sanitized, totally sealed relief supplies that we are going to be able to be a relief distribution hub all across our region. Guys, we have our forklifts ready, and I want you to know today, hope is literally on the way. Can you say that with me? Hope is on the way. Type it in the chat, guys. 
because we are about to move into action. A Convoy of Hope saw that we are strategically situated next to four major highways. Routes 287, 40, 6, 80, 10. And they said, man, all roads seem to lead to Liquid Church. And so our plan is to use our warehouse as a storehouse of relief supplies. We're going to be a distribution hub across our whole region. And guys, because of your generosity, we're going to be able to help three groups of people. We're going to start first with our congregation. We want to take care of every hurting family in our church. We, family takes care of family, guys. And we know of many quarantined people, senior citizens, elderly. We know of people who have lost jobs and had their income disrupted. I just believe as your pastor, that's how you know your family. We take care of family first. But guys, we don't want to just hoard it for ourselves. We want to care for our community. So we're going to open this up to our neighbors in need, to surrounding towns and communities. We've actually been in touch with our local mayors so that we can provide relief supplies to first responders, to hospitals, local police, shelters, neighbors in need. In fact, Liquid right now is under consideration to be classified an essential emergency relief site so that surrounding towns can actually come to our storehouse and use the relief supplies. And finally, we're going to work with Convoy of Hope to help other churches. This is so important that the church becomes the capital C church. We want to help smaller congregations because a lot of them lack the infrastructure, the capacity. And so they're going to be able to come to our storehouse, pick up supplies, and then they can distribute it to their families, to their communities. So guys, I hope you see the vision because this pandemic, it's awful. But guys, it is an awesome opportunity for the church to stand up and step up and be the church. Amen? We want to care for our hurting neighbors, for our families in need. People have lost jobs. People have lost loved ones, and there's going to be more loss coming. And so like Joseph, guys, this is a moment for us just to model generosity and compassion during a global emergency. So let me tell you how you can get help if you need it or give help in the days ahead. Um, our team is working right now on a brand new COVID-19 relief page for our website. This will be live by Easter weekend. And you'll see it's actually very simple. There's two options. It's get help or give help. And you may be in one of those two categories. Maybe you're like, I need to get help. My, my family's sick. Maybe you're quarantined at home or you need your groceries delivered. Maybe you're a senior citizen. You can't pick up your prescription from Walgreens. Well, I have good news. Hope is on the way. If you click the get help button, you're going to see a whole list of resources that our church will be offering. Emergency relief kits. Those are the, the things like the cleaning supplies, the hygiene, the toiletries, the bottled water, the packaged food. We have baby supplies. We will do grocery pickup and delivery. For some people, they can't go to the supermarket to pick up their groceries. We'll actually do it for you. Uh, prescription pickup and delivery. Again, for seniors who might not feel comfortable going to CVS. We're going to be there. You can speak with a pastor. This is so important. We have created a live hotline that will be open from 9 in the morning to 9 at night. And people can call and talk with our pastors. So many people right now, guys, are struggling with anxiety and depression. And when you have a crisis like this, those things get amplified. And so we want to be there for you. Of course, as always, prayer requests. We're getting inundated right now as this crisis goes on. But our, let me tell you something. Our prayer warriors, they are ready to support all of you who are struggling if you've lost jobs through prayer and counseling. And we're going to link to food banks and other resources, such as professional counselors and more. Now, we're still working out all the logistics for this. I just want to tell you the 30,000-foot vision today. But I'm so proud of our team. Uh, how many of you know in this church we got a lot of Josephs 
and Josephines on our staff. We really do. In fact, we have redeployed our entire liquid staff to reach out to church families. So they are already checking in. They've been doing that for two weeks, calling our senior saints, checking in with the elderly, those who are vulnerable, our special needs families, giving care to those who are sick or isolated. And so I want you to know, guys, as your pastor, we are going to get through this together. Hope is on the way. Amen? Now, if you're in a position to give help, I want to ask for your help serving our community. Like I said, next week we are expecting all these relief supplies to come into our storehouse here in Parsippany. And you should know this. We already have a small team of essential workers who have been cleared to manage our inventory and they're going to pack the emergency supply kit. So I, I just want to be like real clear about this. We're not going to have, there's not going to be a churchwide pack out like a million meals because that would defeat the point of social distancing. We don't want people in the building. It's closed. So our distribution plan is a simple strategy. You drive up, we drop it in your trunk, and then you drive off. So people actually drive up to our warehouse, pop open the trunk of their car, and we drop a box of hope into their trunk. They drive off. No muss, no fuss, no contact. But there are going to be people who can't actually venture outside, and that's where we need your help. So uh, we're going to take care of the packing, but we need your help with the delivery. So if you click the Give Help button, you're going to see we need a small army of mobile missionaries who can actually deliver groceries, who can pick up prescriptions for seniors, who can deliver a box of relief supplies to doorsteps around their neighborhood. You just actually pick it up, you drive it to their home, you drop it on their doorstep because they're sick or they're quarantined or they're elderly. We want to deliver hope right to their doorstep. So that's one of the ways that you can give help in the days ahead. If you click on that button, you're going to be able to see that you can help deliver, pick up, but you also are going to be able to give to the COVID-19 Financial Impact Fund. Guys, this week we created a special benevolence fund to help families who are being financially devastated by this crisis. Um, we know this is a very, very, very tough time for people. Uh, many people have lost jobs. Some of you have been furloughed. Or maybe you just have a major disruption, a gap in your income. And for those who are in financial crisis, guys, as a church, our heart, we want to help. We want to help buy groceries. If we have to pay for an electric bill or buy emergency supplies. So starting today, when you give online at liquidchurch.com, you're going to see under the normal tithes and offerings, which go to our general fund, and we still need that, you can also give above and beyond to our COVID-19 financial impact fund. And can I just like make this personal? Maybe you're like Joseph. You have a surplus in your storehouse financially. And I believe God gave you those resources to be a blessing to others in this moment of crisis. Guys, this is not a moment for hoarding. This is a moment for helping our brothers and sisters who are hurting. So if that's you, give. Give generously to our COVID-19 Benevolence Fund because this is going to serve hard-hit families and help fund our vital ministry efforts during this national crisis. So if you're in need of benevolence, you just need to talk to your campus pastor. They're handling those on a case-by-case -case basis. So guys, I want to let you know today, man, hope is on the way. Don't just hold your breath. Know that it's coming. I, I thank God for your faithful giving during this time. I mean, obviously, giving to our church right now has gone down. We knew that would happen as the economy hit pause. But like Joseph in Genesis, we've been carefully saving. Remember Joseph said, he said, one-fifth of everything you harvest, save it for the coming crisis. So we are reforecasting, we are reallocating parts of our church budget 
to help with this coronavirus relief efforts. We have actually paused major construction projects. We were, um, we were lined up to actually expand the parking lot in Parsippany. Right now, people are more important than pavement, amen? So we're hitting pause on our construction projects so that we have liquidity for operations and to help people. We're also supporting our ministry partners. You guys know we have incredible partners. Um, Juan and Tracy Galloway, New York City Relief Bus. We love working with them. Um, Living Water International. Both those ministries are feeling the financial crunch. And I also want you to know we are working hard to keep all liquid staff employed during this crisis. In fact, we're redeploying their roles and we're readjusting our finances so we can keep all staff employed through April. Obviously, the pandemic restrictions, you know, roll into May and after that, we got to reevaluate month to month. It's a very fluid situation based on the economic impact. What's my point? Your giving is critical. Your giving to general and relief funds is crucial at this time. But I hope you understand, just get this, when you give generously to our church, it's what allows our church to give generously to people who desperately need help. Can you see the vision, guys? This is our moment to shine the hope of Jesus in a dark time. Just like it was for Joseph. This pandemic is a national emergency. But guys, this is our chance to join Jesus on his mission and share and show the love of Christ to our neighbors in need. So here's my challenge to you. You ready? Come here. Will you be a Joseph today? Will you be a Josephine? Guys, God has given us the storehouse, but now we need to fill it. We want to deliver hope to every doorstep of every person who's hurting. In fact, my friend, Pastor Chris Morani said this way. He said, let's spread hope faster than COVID-19. We want to remind those who are scared and hurting, God sees you and so do we. I want to close with this, guys. You know, this is a historical moment for our generation, but it's not the first time the Church of Jesus has faced plague and pandemic. The little research in the fourth century, a pandemic swept through the Roman Empire and as you can imagine, people fled the cities. The Roman governors fled. The military fled. The rich ruling class, they fled. But the Christians stayed. In fact, they ran straight into that pandemic because they knew that their savior Jesus had sacrificed his life. He laid down his life in their moment of need to step up and save them. And so those early Christ followers, they said, this is our moment to step up and care for all the sick and infected. And so it was the early Christians in the fourth century who actually rushed straight into the eye of the epidemic, caring for the sick, tending to the dying. It was the early Christians who distributed bread and relief supplies to all those who were hungry and hurting. Well, guys, that was the fourth century. Here we are in 2020. Let me tell you how history remembered them. Here's what Eusebius, he's a church historian, he wrote this. Because of the way the Christians stepped up and served their neighbors in that pandemic, he said this. The Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Guys, that pandemic revealed who the Christians really were. And you know what? This one's going to reveal that as well. Who are we? Followers of Jesus in 2020. Let me tell you who we are. We're not afraid. We are full of faith. And we have plans to spread hope faster than COVID-19. Say amen if you agree. Guys, this is our chance to step up and show the love of Jesus to our world. And mark my words, when we recover and we reemerge, it may be in four weeks, it may be in four months, may it be said of us that the Christians' deeds were on the people's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Amen? Amen. Say amen if you agree. Let's pray right now, church. Put out your hands, receive it. Father, thank you right now that you chose us 
We don't thank you for this pandemic, God. We are asking you to burn it to the ground, Father God. End it in Jesus' name, the sickness, the disease, the death, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus' protection right now over every family, over every person in the hospital. May you, Father, with your mighty power, Holy Spirit, burn out their fever, Lord. Breathe breath into the lungs of those who are having difficulty breathing. God, we need your help. But God, we do thank you that you chose us to live right here in this place in this time. For this moment, we were made. And so, Father, with all of the power and the resources of heaven, let us serve like your son. Lord, let us be a light in a dark time. Father God, I thank you for Convoy of Hope and these relief supplies that are coming. Father, may you multiply them and we may be a blessing, not just to our church, but to our community, to our county, to our state, to this world. We ask that all the glory then would go to our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen, guys. Well, listen, it's great to come into your home. And I just want to let you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for our Holy Communion service. And I can't wait to celebrate Easter with you guys next weekend. I love you guys.